Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue skies, and before the great... Okay, welcome back to the Magic Pisces Podcast. It's been a minute. I don't really post when I don't have any... Um, I don't really post when I don't have any fuel. What's the word? Fodder? Fodder for episodes? I can't say I'm too fodder rich right now, but I'm posting anyway. And uh, I spent the weekend in San Francisco... Had an amazing time with an old friend, you might say, and uh, perhaps a person I've written several songs about, perhaps a person whose the songs I've written about have been the extra music on this podcast a handful of times, and it was a really amazing time. There's this concept of twin souls, and... I don't know if you've ever met that, if you've ever had an experience in your life with a person that there was just this crazy connection to, just this like finishing each other's sentences sort of connection. And uh, that's how my experience with this person has always been from the moment I met her about 13 years ago, just about 13 years ago, there was this connection and it, you know, at the time when we connected, it was not the right time, but I wanted it to be the right time. And for her, it wasn't the right time, and it led to a lot of suffering and um, a lot of pain. But there was beautiful gifts. Uh, there were beautiful gifts wrapped up in it for me. I have a song about this person. The song is called Forgiving Robin, and the chorus of the song goes, I couldn't stay in the air you breathe, so I started writing songs, and now I'll sing them with the world because I hope they'll sing along. And so hallelujah to you, hallelujah to you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I do. And so the point of that song and the forgiveness was um, out of this very painful situation, I got this gift of songwriting. And um, some of the songs I wrote I can say are legit good. I'm legit happy with them. Um, I can legit say that they're wonderful songs. And so that was that was really cool. Um, and the thing about... Uh, this this twin soul, which I actually believe this person is a twin soul to me. Uh, perhaps there are more, um, and and I'm kind of certain that this person feels similarly. Um, but uh, these aren't people that we're necessarily supposed to like, meant to partner with um, romantically uh, or necessarily permanently. They're typically people that we are meant to learn lessons from. And who provide us opportunities to look at very deeply rooted wounds, very deeply rooted emotional programming, perhaps very deeply embedded <clears throat> ways of being that we have inherited from past lives. Uh, they help us to look at perhaps generations of dysfunction that maybe occur and play out in our lives and they're ultimately teachers and when a person comes into your life as what as a seemingly adversary they can ultimately uh, become one of your greatest teachers and your greatest vessels of or greatest avenues uh, to healing if you're willing to take the to to take the journey that they are pointing to if if you're willing to walk the path that your experience with them is sort of pointing you in the direction of, I guess that would be the best way to articulate it. And, um, I hadn't, I hadn't seen her in seven years, over seven years, seven years in like three months. And I had done, I've, I've done a lot, a lot of healing work since then. And, um, when we came back together, there wasn't the, the neediness 
the neediness that there was before. And the neediness years ago was uh, repulsive, basically. It's basically repulsive to this girl. She was a girl at the time, and I was not a man. I'll just tell you that much. And now we're both, I'm a man and she's a woman. And and it um, it was uh, very different because all the fun was there without the woundedness. And now there's sort of this place um, where each of us gets to choose whether it would be appropriate to you know, see each other again, uh, based on like values and what it is that we want in life. And that's the place to choose from in relationship is what, what do you want? What are your values? What are the conditions that you have, um, in what are the conditions that you would create that would, you know, for a partner, a potential partner, um, that, that you would, you would need or want those people. What are the conditions that you would want the the person who your partner you would partner with you would like to partner with to meet and choosing from that place versus choosing from a place of they make me feel so good or they make me feel so and a lot of people choose relationships early on based on how they feel as opposed to values that they have so you actually get to choose your partner based on values shared values and how, um, what it is you want in life. Where would you like to live? Um, do you want to have children or do you not want to have children? Things like that. Um, those are places you can choose from in the creation of relationship versus how this person makes me feel. And when you're, you're younger, it's very easy to choose relationships based on like how good the sex is and how good the person makes you feel. And those are often, you know, recipes, for things that don't last. And they often, very often times the relationships do last. So there is that as well. I mean, I know plenty of people who've been in relationships for decades now at this point. You know, myself, I have a little bit of what's referred to as a relationship anorexia, meaning it's been so long um, that I'm just kind of used to how things have been going and used to just surfing and eh, whatever. Somebody comes along, great. Then again, I really kind of need to start getting laid while I got a handful of good fuck years in me. <laughs> so there's that too, you know. And I'm noticing more and more, you know, with women that you can't just you can't just take the milk. <laughs> you got to take the whole cow. You just do. Some women like are cool with you know just the milk, but um, I don't think physiologically they're programmed for that. Women are programmed to nest. Men are programmed to fucking run. It's just the programming. I actually got that from a woman, a woman's a book written by a woman called, I've heard that in, um, you know, in several places, but um, from several sources. But the main one that I'm citing or going to cite is called Invincible Living by Guru Jagat. Uh, she's a kundalini yoga instructor, um, kind of a phenomenological person, phenomenological uh, character and she is talking about in her book Invin invincible living about how it's very difficult for women to do like friends with benefits types of situations because the um, the drive to procreate is like literally millions and millions and millions of billions and billions and billions no millions and millions of years old and so you're you're actually bumping up against a a physiological type of a response um, that says, I would like to procreate, and so that can complicate things, and dudes are just like, I don't know, I, I just want to spread my seed, you know, dudes are just meant to, like, spread, 
procreate, spread their seed to as many potential partners as possible. I'd really like like six or seven wives. I think that would be great. I mean, just I think every man I think every every man would. I wasn't expecting the podcast to move into this direction, but here we go. So there's that. No, but it was cool this weekend. It was amazing because I just got present to the fact that like I'm there's there's uh, what what we very often do is we make up stories about ourselves and the world based on circumstances that we find ourselves presented with. And I've been single for a long time, so I had a story that you know I can't I I'm scared of intimacy or I'm scared of commitment, and it it wasn't the it it proved to not be the case at all. Um, I was just able to be with this person and share very in very small space with and just wake up with and to just be with and to who to just enjoy the company the company with with very few conflicts um obviously there would be if there was more time spent together but um you know what's the story that you're making up what's the story that you're making up about the thing that you don't have in life like maybe you want a better job maybe you would like to be in a relationship maybe you would like to switch careers and and then the, but there's a but and then there's a story that you'll tell yourself and the story is complete fiction the thing is about the complete fiction is that there is evidence to back it up so we will create evidence to support our cases that um that we will we will create we will discover evidence or we'll find evidence we'll search for evidence to support the case that we have um we will it's like, I want to get a job. I can't. Here's the story why. Because the economy is shit. And look, I just went on the news and the newspaper. I just went on, you know, I just Googled the news. And there's the evidence that I need in the newspaper that says that the economy is shit. And it, and then it just cosigns your story and then you don't do shit. And that's what people do. Um, and you actually get to choose in the face of whatever circumstance you see facing you. You get to choose how it goes. Um, you get to um, not have the circumstances run the show. I've brought this stuff up before. I'm sure these are recurring themes. But um, I, had a, I had a story about me and relationships, and I can't do them, and it was just completely defeated in the course of a day. And that was the real healing. And um, that was very, that was healing for me to discover that. And that opened up a whole new world of possibility. Like, okay, well just, you know, find someone like that, that you can just wake up with and you'll be good. You know, it doesn't need to be as hard as the story that you're creating is making it. You get to just, it's just a swipe away. Just start swiping. <laughs> just Bumble or Tinder. A f friend of mine met his soulmate on Tinder, you know, like, Tinder gets this bad rap, but you know, it depends on whatever your intention is. Like if your intention is to be, if your intention is to find the love of your life, there's nothing stopping you from finding that person on Tinder or Bumble or in the coffee shop or whatever. Right. So anyway, little relationship talk, little relationship talk. There's still hope for me. If there's still hope for me, there's still hope for you. If you're in a bad relationship, you can get out of it. You can actually choose to get out of it right now. I had a, I have a client who hired me a few months ago. One month in, three weeks in, she ended a three-year relationship and just like burned the thing down and didn't look back and went and created this epic, amazing life with business, with businesses, with multiple streams of revenue and um, multiple um, uh, projects and with this master vision for a plan for life and is in the process of creating this new relationship or at least seeing if this new relationship will will pan out 
and just kind of exploring the whole thing from curiosity. And that's what happens if you got something in your life that's not working. You can just choose to have it not work, or you can you can you can choose to have it not work, or you can just choose to have it work. It doesn't it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, it could be very simple. Simple does not mean that it is easy. Simple decisions are often some of the most difficult decisions that we can make. Are very simple. Um, when I decided to check into rehab. Uh, 13 years ago, it was a very simple decision. Stop doing the drugs. Stop with the drugs and go to the rehab. Stop to the drugs. Stop with the drugs. Go to the rehab. When you're done with the rehab, go to the halfway house. That's it. It's very simple. When you get out of the halfway house, go to the meetings. Okay. A thousand meetings in the first year later. Like, guess what? I was this new person. I was a new person in like four months. I was a new person in three months. But that was happening inside of this really profound commitment to have things go differently. And if you have a really profound commitment to have things go differently and you proceed accordingly, everything will change and it will change very quickly. Right? So thanks for tuning in. Where else to go with this? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so saddened by the, the, um, the divide that I see on social media. And I got to clean something up. Like last week, I, my last episode, I talked about Facebook being the place that people argue. This is without me having knowledge of Twitter. <laughs> I went on Twitter a little bit, and oh my God, it's just awful. It's just, it's just one giant horrific argument. You know, so the places that people are arguing are, are basically Facebook and Twitter. And if there's something else, let me know. That I, if there's another place, if there's another place people are arguing that I'm not aware of, please email me, transform at Magic Pisces, and let me know. Um, but you know, somebody posted something about uh, the Redskins changing the name. And I, I, I just posted a comment that said, um, I posted a comment that said, well, there's, you know, David Hawkins has a different way of looking at this. You might want to investigate David Hawkins' work. This is, I, I discovered this at three books in to David Hawkins' work. I reference David Hawkins' work very often, but, you know, he talks about um, the leftist agenda can very often be um, a wolf disguised in sheep's clothing. Um, so it's 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 well it's well meaning and the people involved in the movements are very well meaning but there's an energy that sort of permeates that that um, can be ultimately very destructive and he talks about um, names like the Blackhawks and the um, Redskins and the Chiefs he's like those names were given to those teams in essentially in honor of the Native Americans. And because the, to, to honor the fighting spirit, the warriorhood, that was actually the reason that those names were chosen. Um, and then this, you know, political correct thing comes along um, years later and says, no, that's wrong. And it, 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 um, it undermines the original intention that came along with the naming of those teams. And this is, you know, people get offended and it's like, well, what if, what if being a black cop was a totally fucking badass motherfucking thing you know and what if um being a fucking chief is like the like being a chief is a badass motherfucking thing right what if the people who were fighting the quote-unquote redskins right were like revered them because they were afraid of them because the red knew the redskins would fucking scalp their asses if they caught them and that's sort of the this is according to hawkins and the book i'm referencing is i it's called i reality and subjectivity 
uh, the hidden, that's not the hidden, yeah, it's just called I, Reality and Subjectivity. His first book is called um, Power Versus Force, The Hidden Determinants of Human Behavior. The second book is called I, Re, um, I The Eye of the Eye, and the third book is called um, The Eye of the Eye from Which Nothing is Hidden, and the third book is called I, Reality and Subjectivity. And in I, Reality and Subjectivity, he talks about how the, the, the far leftist liberal agenda in the 1960s, early 70s, um, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but when One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest came out, um, people saw that movie and they saw this, you know, as portrayed in a movie, it's totally fiction, they saw uh, this mental health system portrayed in a simple way and they went fucking crazy. And as a result, that led to this dismantling of a public uh, mental health system that was working very effectively, essentially, and then that led to um, a massive increase in homelessness. Um, and he cites the reports. There's reports he cites in there, but um, Hawkins doesn't. He doesn't speak from an agenda at all. There's no agenda in his in the delivery of what he's. Uh, uh, there's no agenda in the delivery of the information that he's presenting. And I, I, want, I don't want to go into it too deeply, but there's the calibrated levels of consciousness and uh, the politically correct far leftist uh, agenda is not one of integrity. And, and all I was, according to Hawkins, which I resonate with, I resonate with what he says. My political views changed quite a bit after I absorbed all of his work. And so this person had this post about um, the the Redskins changing their name, and I just said, um, I just said, well, David Hawkins has a different way of looking at at this, and I'm, I didn't even bring up what I shared in this episode. And and so this is a person I enormously have enormous have traditionally had enormous respect for, but his um, I said Dave, read David Hawkins' work if you want a different take on this. He says, the philosopher? And I said, no, the spiritual guy. I'm not sure how spiritual they are, but the one I recommend on matters of political correct correctness is called I, Reality, and Subjectivity. Probably the best to start with is Power versus Force, also Reality, Spirituality, spirituality and Modern Man by Hawkins, addresses the PC debate. And then his wife chimes in, addresses the PC debate? Yeah, I don't see this as a matter of PC, as there's a documented and objective harm being done to Native people, particularly kids, as a result of these mascots. And, I, and then I respond with, as I said, read the work. It's impossible to articulate in a Facebook comment. Then his wife jumps in. Uh, I don't think so. I hope you will do some more research yourself. You seem pretty set in your thoughts and you seem pretty set in your thoughts and paradigm on this, which sounds like an excuse to cancel or deny the experiences and feelings of many indigenous people. I say, good Lord, all I did was respectfully propose a suggestion. Never mind. His work is thousands of pages long. So she, there's, there's a little bit more missing. It looks like they, um, it looks like they changed or altered their comments as I'm going um, back here. And then he, this is a person I enormously respect, enormously, or did. He says, what you suggested is amounts to a balance fallacy. The idea that there are good people on both sides holds true of plenty of arguments. That's not the case here. This isn't an academic or theoretical discussion for me. These mascots have a very real, very negative impact on people I know and love. And I'm like, I didn't even pre present. And then it turned out, it then the, then the argument kind of turned into fuck you. And this is a person I spent a summer working with. Um, this is a... Um, 
this is a, a person whose wife I've had lovely interactions with. And um, as I'm sharing, I'm getting really present to the sadness that I'm like experiencing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting very present to a degree of sadness. Um, and it's heartbreaking that all I, all I said was like, hey, there might be something else to consider if you read these books. You might have a different take on things like I did because I went into those, those particular works um, with a certain mindset and it just kind of changed and it wasn't this great big insane come to Jesus moment. It was just like, hmm, interesting. And I've talked about why I left the far left a couple episodes ago. I had an episode on why I left the far left and um, based on very personal subjective experience and and just to basically be told, I'm not even going to consider what you're suggesting. Um, I'm not going to even consider what you're suggesting. And then these other people that I know are like liking, they're like liking and loving the comments against me when nobody has any idea what the argument is that I'm making. No one has any clue because you'd have to read three books to even get there. And the books are vast. It's deep, deep, deep work. And then, and then you can actually read Power Versus Truth, which is kind of like a critique of David Hawkins' work. So to, to think that I came to my conclusions in a vacuum is absurd. And to have these people just be like, again, who I respect, who I revere, right? Who's, 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 do you revere a person? I'm not sure if you do. Whatever. Um, but to have these people who I respect just basically say, fuck you, no, I would never even take into consideration the suggestion that you're offering in this conversation, um, nor am I even going to investigate to discover what the argument that this person you're citing is making. And Hawkins doesn't even make an argument. He just says this is kind of how it is. Um, they're not even going to investigate. They're just going to tell me that I'm wrong and that uh, I'm kind of like shit, you know, and <laughs> And it was inter- it was just interesting, you know. It was interesting to see how entrenched people are in their beliefs, and I find this um, with the, the far left more and more, and it's kind of disturbing. And that was being in San Francisco this week, and I I could really feel the mask culture, the culture of masks. And it's weird because where I live, like everybody has a mask, and when I go into a place, I of course have a mask on. Um, I don't I don't have an argument against the mask. It's fine, like. I don't think that they're necessary if you're healthy at all. I feel terrified about sharing that on social media because I'll be attacked as a murderer, essentially, or uh, people will consider me someone who doesn't value human life. Um, so I wear the fucking thing, and I don't bitch about it, really. And there's, you know, people wear them around here, and, um, you know, when you pass somebody on the sidewalk, maybe you slide it up, or maybe I look the other way, and people typically don't, surfers typically don't have them when they're walking up and down to the beach, because why would you have a mask if you're going surfing? Um, but I, it was weird, because I felt, I didn't feel like I was getting enough air. Like, it literally felt like my, my brain was deprived of oxygen. <laughs> and we're walking up, like, these steep hills, and it just didn't feel right something about it didn't feel right it just didn't feel like i was getting the nourishment to the brain that is provided by oxygen you know um and certainly i don't like people i this is the other thing about me is i don't like people with this covid stuff i don't like people getting close to me i'm into social distancing it's funny because i've seen a lot of people who are hardcore maskies on facebook you know kind of pull the mask down when I see them and get a little close to me. And so you've got this sort of breakdown between, well, yeah, in theory, I think we should all wear masks, but 
oh, whoops, I forgot about mine, or I forgot to keep my distance from you, and that's another sort of funny thing. But I did not, I felt this very, uh, like I forgot that I was, I forgot that I wasn't wearing it or that it wasn't pulled up over my face, and I got the death look from this person. Like I got the look of you are a motherfucking murderer from this person. Now, I'm a very healthy person. I load up on so many vitamins, was a lot of evidence to suggest that massive amounts of vitamin C, very healthy amounts of vitamin C, as much as your system can handle, um, can completely just extinguish <clears throat> the coronavirus. Um, also, chaga mushrooms, C-H-A-G-A, um, chaga mushrooms um, as well. This is based on the work of Cliff High. Um, uh, I have an energy healer in Chicago whose name is Gigi, and she was sending me uh, videos of Cl this guy Cliff High. You can find his uh, YouTube channel. I believe it's called Critical Thinking. You have to kind of search around for him a little bit. But she was sending me videos that Cliff High was putting out in January, I think, that predicted the entire pandemic completely to the minute, to exactly what would happen in what amount of time and how everything would shut down and about how the economy would shut down and about how all these people would be fucked. And so I, I took heed because he, he, he called that one out. So I'm prone to take his other suggestions regarding chaga mushrooms and vitamin C. So I load up on absolutely as much vitamin C as I possibly can, thousands and thousands of milligrams a day. I take it, the lipos, I take uh, the absor absorbate vitamin C until I get diarrhea. <laughs> Too much information. That's okay. I also take vitamin D3, uh, lots of it, vitamin A, iodine. Uh, selenium and cortison, um, along with mushrooms. So I'm loaded up on this shit, and I feel immune as hell. And not in a cocky way. I just feel very much as if my system can recognize COVID and just diverts it or does whatever immunity does. Um, and uh, and I and so I you, I mean obviously you can't explain this to people. So you. You know, I just wear a mask. That's all. Just avoid avoid the argument altogether. But in San Francisco, um, there was there's a culture. There's this very there's this very deeply rooted activist culture, and um, there's this very deeply uh, rooted leftist culture. And I could sort of feel that. And um, I don't I don't want to go so far as to say it made me uncomfortable, but it was very. I didn't feel free. Um, I'll say that much. I felt like there's something to conform to, and if you don't conform to, like at a deep level, like almost at a spiritual level, and if you don't conform to that, then you will be labeled, branded, um, you, you will be a something, and the, the, the person I was with is definitely part of that culture, and it's certainly not a judgment of her by any stretch. I, th this is the other thing. Like, it's For me, spiritual work happens through honoring where people are at really understanding like these people literally think that you're going to die. And there's evidence again, it goes back to the story. I was, you know what I was sharing earlier, like um, there will always be evidence to support your case. There's always evidence to support your case. And, and I guess the frustrating thing is that when people are dug in, they're not willing to look at evidence that supports other cases. You know, like all I said is, Hey, there might be some evidence to suggest that in this Facebook comment stuff, it, all I was suggesting is there might be some evidence to support another case. And it was just like, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. You're wrong. You're totally wrong. You're wrong. I've done my research. And I, I mean, I get it. I, 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 he, he was talking about how people are made fun of and, um, you know, for kids, Native American kids are made fun of 
because of the mascots that the Blackhawks have. And I'm thinking to myself, well, where are the, where are the, you're from Glen Ellen, Illinois. Like where, where are the native American kids in Glen Ellen, Illinois? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that he's, he could really, he could counter that rather quickly, but um yeah, it was really, it was just, I was, I was honestly astonished. I was just like astonished. And then I almost, and I deactivated Facebook for like 12 hours. And then I, um, and then I was going to unfriend them both and unfriend all the people that liked the comments that were against me and just to fuck, fuck, fuck all you, you know, but I didn't. <laughs> then I posted peace this morning. That was my Facebook post. Peace. That's all. And, uh, but people are, when people are so dug in, they're not, they're not even going to look for evidence to, um, to that 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 flies in contradiction. That flies in contradiction to the case that they've built. And Hawkins, David Hawkins, talks about all of this stuff in 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 regards to how DNA testing has freed thousands of people from prison and and that juries are basically they're just they're just coming up with an opinion there's evidence and then you form an opinion based on the evidence and your own stuff is going to be part of the opinion so your own life experiences are going to be a part of the opinion that you formulate and so if you've got you know to use an extreme example you've got an all-white jury in the south looking to convict a black man of touching a white woman well yeah that that's that's just their opinion. Their opinion is that person could be in jail. And and ultimately, a jury is made up of people with a bunch of opinions who come to a consensus based on those opinions. And I think it's, I think the jury system is, uh, that, there, that there is a degree of fairness to it. But just imagine, like, what's going on. I've been on a jury, and it's a really um, interesting, it's, it's a really interesting and fascinating um, experiment is that the word experiment it's 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 a fascinating um the word is slipping me phenomenon of human behavior to witness it's a fascinating phenomenon of human behavior to witness because certain people are more alpha in there certain people are more passive certain people speak up certain people don't speak up certain people are afraid of speaking up certain people are very good at dominating people who speak up and there's only 12 of them and it's all projection it's just all projection, right? And so when evidence comes in that is contradictory to a case that you've built up, you are going to dig in and that is the, the, the human ego at its worst. And that's what leads to rampant destruction. That's what leads to wars. That's what leads to massive amounts of death. That's what leads to, um, you know, it's, it's, it's whenever the thinking of one person is controlled by another or if the thinking of one person, the, the independent thinking of one person is challenged by the thinking of another person that, you know, we arrive in situations, you know, very, or, or that we arrive in Orwellian, Orwellian situations. Um, and, and it's really, you know, I'm always seeking to honor the person in front of me. I'm always, you know, and it's not, I don't do that perfectly by any stretch. You know, like I'm on a walk with this person who I love very dearly and this person wants me to wear a mask, so I'm not going to put up a fight about it. It's not something, I'm not going to go into a, a tirade or a debate or a whatever with that. I'm just going to choose to have a lovely time and that lovely time involves wearing a mask. Um, and that's fine. Or <laughs> depriving my brain of oxygen. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, um, it just wasn't a battle I was looking to fight. And I completely and totally honor this person's experience. This person knows someone who's 
uh, has a person in her direct immediate experience who's very, very sick with COVID um, and also has a person uh, connected to a, one of her family members who is, I believe, died. And so I'm, what am I going to do? Not respect that? Am I going to create an argument like that, that, that is going to offend you at that level? That's like some real offensiveness. The person that you know that died, fuck them. I'm just not going to wear a mask. And that's what I see from like the far right, like the freedom people. They're just like, don't tell me to wear a mask. Well, yeah, a lot of people have died. A lot, an absolute shitload of people have died. Can can you at least put yourself into the experience of what those people are are? Can can you consider the experience that they're having and maybe come from a place of honoring what their experience is instead of creating a debate around it or a, a basically a fight around it or an argument? And that's you know that's kind of like the gun debate. Like, isn't it valid that? you know, people who lost kids in the Columbine massacre and there's so many massacres since then, isn't it valid that they're a little bit concerned about gun control? It's, isn't that a little valid? You have to wave your goddamn fucking gun in their face and talk about freedom when their child has just died. (laughs) People like people wait until a bunch of kids get murdered to like really voice their concerns that you're a fucking asshole for thinking that we need gun control. Right. And I'm not, like, I believe in the freedom of the individual. I will state that over and over and over again. I have very liberal, liberal, liberal values. But, you know, come on. Do we really want psychotics, psychotic people to be able to get guns? I don't think so. Maybe there should be a test. Just maybe there should be a test, like a driver's test for a gun. Just maybe. Just quick test, just to make sure you're not fucking crazy before you can get your gun. And then people say, well, driving is a privilege in the the... And guns are a right. Or it's a right versus a privilege. Yeah, I fucking get it. Are you a moron? Why? Why would? You? Anyway, I didn't mean to 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 move into the gun debate. Anyway, um, I think I'm gonna wrap it up there. Uh, thank you for listening. I love you. Uh, I do my best to love everyone, even these people who are hating on me currently. And um, and have an amazing and wonderful day. I hope this is has. Uh, has has enlightened you or enlivened you in some way shape or form and i will talk to you soon this is the magic pisces podcast i'm dave k be good